0: Welcome to InScope, the healthcare security podcast. Each episode, we bring you interviews, technical tips, and a unique point of view on the challenges facing the ever-changing healthcare ecosystem. Here's your host, Mike Murray. And welcome to this week's InScope, the healthcare security podcast. As always, I'm Mike Murray and here we are at the beginning of 2022 and uh have an exciting guest and some interesting news to report as we get through the end of the show but uh, today we have with us danny akaski some of you may know him on twitter as rando or on twitch as rando danny's been a very prominent voice and and face in the industry for a while and uh, really excited as as we were talking about before we started recording this is the first time he's been on my podcast instead of me being on his so really excited
1: Danny welcome it it is really weird normally it's me chasing you you mike please come on my show and let's let's try to by the way i still got to apologize to wolf again because we we didn't do the last one Oh yeah we missed that one didn't uh, we? we missed both of us we too agreed that we didn't have time for it and we never told wolf uh <laughs> so i'm sorry wolf if you listen to this uh but no this is no this is awesome i'm glad to finally be in your domain you have your own people phil is back there running this i have i'm just i'm along for the ride it's it's weird and it's awesome
0: yeah, it's it's fun to be a guest, right? No pressure. You just get to show up and and.
1: There's questions. actually more pressure for me. <laughs> <laughs> There's less pressure when I am the operations and everything because if if anything happens, like I'm like ah, it's my thing. I don't it's I don't care. But if I screw up on yours, I it's I mess your thing up. No, this is going to be great. This is going to
0: be fantastic. And and so I took a note. That one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, you have done something that that I think a lot of people want to do. A lot of people want to come into security and and become well known and become. Twitter famous and and all of that sort of thing. And you've done it. I mean, you've got you've had a long career in security, Mandiant, you know, Gigamon, Iceberg, all all these incredible names, all Splunk, all these incredible things you've done. And there's lots of people that do that and don't become a voice in the industry. How'd you do it, man? How did how did you become that?
1: Pure unadulterated accident. One of my fa- actually not one of my favorite story about that. Is I was flying to my first DEFCON, and I got on the plane in Newark, and I ended up sitting next to another hacker. She is um, at I can has Pie. Uh, she does a lot of work with like Ed Skotis and, 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 and the counter hack, she helped build the counter hack challenge. And I, I was literally no, like, nobody knew me It's my first Defcon, whatever. And she goes, Oh, are, are you one of, you're, you're one of those uh, infosec rock stars. And I was like, <laughs> I got like 20 followers. No, you're mistaking me. Cause people mistake me for different people all the time. And fast forward now of like being like, I can go, the cool part is I can go anywhere in, in any city and be like, hey, who can I hang out with? How did I do? Dude, I honestly, I think to not give a BS answer and to not demure and do that false modesty thing. I think it's just that I just grinded it out and it wasn't even a grind. It was like, I started going to conferences and I started engaging with people because that's just naturally who I am. I didn't, I didn't force it. I was like, Oh, here's a place where I can go talk to people. Oh, these people have the same sense of humor. I do. They're into the same things. I'm learning things from these people. And, you know, I think I joined Twitter back in like 2011, 2012. And, you know, fast forward to today, for some reason, that follower count says 17,000. Like, I don't know how many of them are real, even if like A third of them are real people (laughs) and not robots. It's cool. I like, it's, I say it every day. I feel like I won the lottery and it really, like every day I wake up and I'm just so thankful that I had to have so many people to engage with. And it's just that, man. It's, it's being, it's being in tons of lobby cons and having conversations and just being with people and, and hanging out and then also being interested in the thing. And you have a thing to say. And maybe some other people like those things that you say and then you say more things and that's just how it happens, man. It's and then like all of a sudden, this is it. I love what I do. I I love this whole thing. Like I love the community way more than any paycheck I, I ever got. Like I could go dig dig trenches for, you know, for a living, hard manual labor as opposed to being, you know, in front of a computer screen. As long as I still had these same people that I could hang out with, it it would be a good life for me.
0: Uh, that's a that's a wonderful statement, and I think I think the the old "do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life" is kind of uh, coming through in what you're saying. So as, as we were talking, something came to mind, and I think it's really interesting how many different communities our uh, you know our industry has. The healthcare security community is not always the you know the Venn diagram of the healthcare security community and the DEFCON crowd. And people who are on Twitter, there's a lot of places where those circles don't overlap. And I'm, I'm curious to to know how you see, you know, bringing those things together and, and having just all these different communities in our industry.
1: Uh, it, there's, yeah, between red team, blue team, ICS, healthcare, uh, and all of these things. And honestly, it th- this year will be my sixth DEF CON. And, and I think... That that is really the linchpin. There are, there are different schools of thought. People are tired of DEF CON. People are, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I still see the magic in it because for me, DEF CON is my New Year's, right? I don't like regular New Year's. I think it's boring. DEF CON is how I mark how my years go by. And this is a place that brings together in all of these villages, right? You have the, you have the Biomed Village, you have the AV, God, the aviation village and things like that a whole nother community doing that kind of thing now you have the how
0: about the biohacking village where the biohacking
1: i i have funny i have two funny stories about the biohacking village uh which are very dear to my heart but biohacking which is huge i actually saw them coming into defcon the last in-person one and like they were wheeling out a gurney out of the back of a truck. And I was like, you guys need help? And they're like, no, we got this, but thank you. And like, they were gruff, but they were nice because I think they were having a hard time getting the equipment in. So you have these things and you go and you could just go in between. And then and then you have aviation people who are curious about biomed who are curious about, and then you have the parties and then you start talking to people. It is nothing short of magical. It is just the, and so you have all these cross pollinations. We are our own happy little virus, right? We infect each other with our curiosity and sometimes con crud. And then you say, hey, I want to do work on that, but I don't work in that, but let's cross pollinate and do like, it's magic. It's awesome. And then pushing out from DEF CON, the official one every year, you have all these different DEF CON groups. I have my own out here in Pennsylvania. And then there's ones in Jersey and Philly and New York. And we talk to them and they come visit us. And then when I'm out somewhere and then you have B sides, it's just, it's this constant, constant flow, even in pandemic times where you have people being not in person, right? You have all these virtual cons. You have people like, like Leslie Carhart and pancakes con spinning up a con in three days, three times to, to share these things. And I use their con as an example, because Leslie has said, your, your talk has to be half of a tech thing and half of something non-tech whatsoever. And then that's how you would find common ground and be like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to talk to this person. And it's, it's just, it's, if if you stop and think about all the different crossovers and parallels, like your, your mind actually smokes, but it's just a natural thing that I just, I adore. I love it. Uh, it's, it's the best. So
0: the whole the whole pancakes con topic reminds me of of how we really started is in in that side of the industry. I mean, if you go back to the history of of the early hacking, you know, community. I mean, all the way back to the to the early to mid nineties, where you really saw things like Frack and these community information sharing driving a lot of the things that eventually became that side of the security industry. Whereas and I think it's still for those people who came up. And by the way, just to give some context, this I think will be my 18th DefCon, maybe my oh 19th. My, God. my first one was 2001. Uh, just to give some some age, uh, yeah, I'm old is really what I'm what I'm actually saying here. <laughs> but the the interesting thing about that part of our industry, you know, there, there's all these people that come into security today by getting a degree and going to school for it. That wasn't a thing. In the 90s, you couldn't go to school to become an, an information security professional back in the old days. And so there's this, there was this entire grassroots organization and multiple organizations that were all about sharing information, whether they were online BBSs, whether it was things like 2600 Magazine. It was all about this community grassroots effort of educating each other and educating ourselves. And I think what you're talking about is really that side of the industry still exists. And, and even though you know you can go your whole career without ever going to DEF CON, and I know a lot of people, especially in, in the healthcare information security community, that don't necessarily cross-pollinate into that sort of DEF CON, black hat, all that kind of world... And I think I think you're missing so much if you don't at least go a few times and and meet people and really understand that community. It, it becomes it's an entirely different way to engage, and I think it's really important. And it gives you a network opportunity that you don't have other places. Like you said, I, I'm a big fan of what Leslie's done, and and the idea of bringing in other interests creates a humanization where you can start to create relationships with those people and it's something that you've done better than almost everybody I I know is really create all these relationships with all these people across the industry and part of it is you're a natural extrovert but like how do you actually do it how do you you know is it is it just who you are or is it something that you actually approach and and are intentional about
1: it's 90% it's just end up who i am like so early in my career before i got to security i did regular it stuff which was super boring um for me because i started getting like very burnt out really quickly but then i got into I, i was a radio dj for about five six years and that's actually it's funny you say like natural extrovert i used to have when i was a kid up until i got into radio a horrible horrible stutter I could not get words out. I, I I still trip once in a while off like W's, like W's are my enemy. Um, But I think once that happened and it opened up that side of me where I'd have to be afraid of that anymore, I've never stuttered one time if a live mic was in front of me from my very first show to now. I've never had a really horrible stutter doing it. So it's, it's, it's 90% who I am. And then, yeah, there are definite times where I'm like, hey, I heard of this person and I really want to meet them and figure out like like what they know and they they seem cool. So I'll go out of my way to like find somebody who knows them and 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 do that. But it's just it it just has happened of and and also by the way, for anybody who feels like there are naps, my my therapist has said like you're actually an introvert that plays a really good extrovert. I definitely at every con, for every for every six hours you see me out, there's an hour up in my hotel room where I'm just like Okay. <laughs> Let's recharge. Um no, it's and what what also helps, our our community gets a lot of flack. And listen, there are there are jerks everywhere. I mean it's it's not unique. It's it's everywhere, but there but those are always the edge cases that tend to speak louder than the normality of the baseline of everybody being very nice and wanting to talk uh and, and things like that. So that's and, you know, there there's actually a really good book for people who might be listening to this and be like, okay, well, Danny's natural at it. I'm not. There's a book called uh, Super Connector um, that actually was referred to me by by uh, by Wolf. And it's it's like 50-50, but it actually gives really good points of all the stuff that I actually do to go approach people and just do things. And it, it's, it's something you can learn. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, it's just normally just me. I've always been very... Like, hey, come talk to me or I'll, I will I I went to a metal show last week. None of my friends wanted to go. I was by myself and there's thousands of people and I ended up making like 10 friends and hanging out with them all night because it's just my thing now. It's you find you can find really common ground with a lot of people that you wouldn't think
0: it, it's a good skill to have, too, especially especially in that sort of community area when you're when you're trying to make when you're trying to make communities around yourself. That's a skill you have to have An, another book on that area. Oldie but goody, there was a book by Keith Ferrazzi called Never Eat Alone. It goes way back to, I think, you know, 2001 or 2002, but uh, a book that that led me down similar roads. I'm also a very practiced extrovert, but not extroverted in the least. I'm, I'm you know, our ratios are opposite. You, you can, <laughs> you go out for six hours and hide in the hotel for one. I hide in the hotel for six hours and go, go out, out for one. one. So, yeah. But- I know that feeling well on that we talked a lot before we got on the call about mission and and, and things you know I, I know you end up talking about careers a lot. we've talked about careers on your on your twitch stream and and stuff a bunch of times, and I wanted to kind of dig into that area of, uh, of our industry and, and of the communities. I mean, one of the things that you see across, especially de- across DEF CON and across things like it is there's a big sense of mission, you know, people, I, and I always, I refer to people like Nina who runs the biohacking village at DEF CON. She doesn't get paid to do that. She does that because she loves it. And cause she genuinely wants to fix things and she wants to make the world a better place. And I, I would think that, that, that same sort of, uh, commitment is across a lot of those same, you know, go, go to any of the villages at Defcon, go to any of the B side organizers and talk to them about why they do it. It's, there's a love there and a, and a, and, and something that's beyond just a paycheck. And, and I just, I kind of wanted to riff on that. You know, I know you've spent a lot of time with that kind of people and, uh, and think yeah. about that kind of stuff a lot. So.
1: Oh, listen, anybody who's been in this industry and business for more than five minutes can see like oh my god things are broken and it's the same things that are broken all the time i've been doing security proper it just passed 10 years back in september and we're still talking about the same things being broken in the same breaches it's I'm enough almost, to dr- dude i'm almost 25 years guess yeah. what it's same, same thing ways. same thing and yes like the older heads like the you of the world and the noids of the world who have been around since the dinosaurs uh <laughs> he's very handsome for his age um but so you have to you have to find something that makes you want to do it. And listen, we've had lots of conversations about it. if only, if you only do it for a paycheck, that's fine too, Mozeltov Right. But yes, there is that for a lot of people. People who I would have never thought were so concerned with mission. I thought they just did it because you know, hey, there was at first there was hacking, and then a business built up around it. And what else are you going to do? But that when you actually sit down and talk to them are very passionate about, about that hamster wheel. They know it's a hamster wheel, but somebody's got to do it and darn it, it's going to be them. And it is it is such a humbling and noble thing when you hear that out of somebody's mouth who you thought would have just been very nonchalant. They they either do it out of a sense of I'm protecting against X bad people, you know, or I am there to help my customers or help my clients understand this thing. My personal mission across any vertical that I'm ever in that drives me, or else this would have driven me out a very long time ago if I didn't have this, is that sense to to help people understand confusing things. I know in my own life, if I have to hire a contractor in my house just just yesterday for electrical stuff, I know nothing. It ended up being something very simple for three hundred dollars, by the way. But I know that sense of frustration. And I know that sense of trying to find somebody to please help me. I don't get this, but I need this. And I think that's a universal thing that everybody experiences. This is how I get to help that in in this industry of something I just happen to understand. Like I got into it, and I was like, no, I get this. Okay, this makes sense to me, and I can tran. I can do the translation for other people, who don't understand it but need it and they don't want to be confused by acronyms they don't want to be uh you know felt like they're talked down to even if we don't try it most times but it ends up sounding like that so that's my personal mission is that translation is that helping um you know and then there's also no small amount of ego involved i doing what i do makes me feel good that's a that's a like i i do those things to get my my thing, my fix, which is on one hand sounds selfish, but on another hand, it drives me to keep doing it for other people because I need that fix of thinking, Oh wow, you helped me with that. So that's, that's my mission. Some people are, you know, especially in, in healthcare, God, you have to believe in the mission for that. You have to want that because it's the one industry that I always said I would always stay away from uh, because from just being a baby analyst I understood. I was like, oh God, look at that. <laughs> no. And then I went into finance. I went into retail and vendors and things like that. Everything but that. Um, but yeah, mission is a very a, a very overlooked thing and can sometimes be conflated with passion. We hear passion a lot. We hear you got to be passionate about this, passionate about that. I mean, there's passion and mission can be two separate things. Because um, when you hear the word mission, you feel a duty to go do it because it's something that you can do. And passion is just like I absolutely have to do this thing where I'm going to burst. So they can be two different things. They can also be the same thing. But yeah, it's you talk to enough people, it's surprising how many people really believe in that.
0: Yeah, and and I think I mean I live it every day. Right we we talk about the mission and scope constantly. Um, we are all pretty passionate about going out and and fixing healthcare through the lens of information security. You know the the idea that. That no patient, I, I always I talk about the vulnerability of being in in a hospital. Right, we are oh, all going awful. to be in a hospital at some point in our lives, and and that and and as someone who spent time in hospitals for for various reasons, I uh, you know I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast. I broke my shoulder a few years ago really badly and had to had to go undergo surgery. You're at your you're at your most vulnerable in that moment, and and that's the moment. That you probably should least worry about information security as part of, as an effect on your life, or at least that you'd want to, uh, to least worry about that, you know, worrying about my personal information in those systems, worrying about my safety while I'm, uh, laying on an operating table connected to a whole bunch of machines that are connected to a network that may or may not be vulnerable to, uh, various attacks and may or may not be compromised by various threats. And those are things you shouldn't have to worry about. And, and I am. Uh, we we talk constantly about that within within scope because, I mean, you can go get a job doing pretty much anything in, in infosec, right? Mm-hmm. And and you specifically, Danny, but but most of us, right? There's there's always the joke about, or it's not even joke that that security has zero percent unemployment, right? Yeah. That any of us are imminently employable because there's there's a shortage of our skill set out in the world, and so to me, what the reason we talk about mission so much is really like you can go do this wherever you want you can go work at a company that sells razors over the internet or a bitcoin company or like you financial services vendors i mean a million other places to me if you're going to apply your trade uh, you should do it in, in a way that makes you feel good in the morning when you wake up and and you, you should be able to look yourself in the mirror and feel like more than just hey i'm making a great paycheck I'm also contributing to something I care about and and that's just you know that I certainly wouldn't have said that when I was 25 but no. that to me is the way I
1: think today. There's that too. I'm I just turned 40 and now that seems more reasonable to me than just going to a vendor and like, help. I mean, yeah, I'll help them sell and, and, and then buy. you know, but by cause and effect that that person's that company's going to use that thing to help fix something that they need or whatever. But can you just imagine? And, you know, I, I think the other term that I haven't actually set out right is the whole, like, A quotient of empathy, right? Can you imagine again for all of the things that between just between you and I, like that we know and and our cumulative years of experience at things, none of that helps when we're in a hospital gown hooked up to an EKG because something is going wrong. Like nothing that does, we can't help ourselves for all the things that people like are going to compliment us about, about what we know and things that we've done we're done. And then, then the last thing, even people like, well, maybe not people like us, but are thinking about is what happens. You get hit twice. You get hit twice with that awful experience. And then, oh, Hey, by the way, your records got compromised later. And now it's a big problem for you. Or, Hey, that machine did something that wasn't supposed to, and now you got to come back in or whatever. So it's, it's very much the same thing as like when somebody, you know, makes you angry in traffic or whatever. You pay for it twice. You get angry once and then it lives in your head twice and now you got hit twice. It's the same thing of like, yeah, why should they have to worry about that one other thing if there are people out there that are actively looking out for it?
0: Right, exactly. Well, and that and that we are those people, right? And so, with that, I wanted to we'll we'll pause and make a quick in uh, a quick announcement. So, <gasps> this podcast was both. Uh, I was excited to have Danny on, but also we're going to announce that Danny has joined Scope <laughs> um, Surprise! as our new director of our cust- of customer success, and and is going to be. And then I'm I'm segueing into sort of the the last topic I wanted to hit today is going to be driving. The community around our customers, right? To make our customers, uh, both happy, but also because we are connected to so many health systems and, and parts of healthcare, you know, bringing more of that community mind to, to each of our customers and be able to, to enrich their lives and make them better, you know, because we, we learned about an attack at one customer. How do we, how do we share that with the other customers in a way that makes, makes their lives better and, and makes them more successful? And also, how do we just make them, you know, understand that, that we're here to, to make their, their mission successful, right? And we talk a lot inside of scope about that our ultimate target for improvement is not necessarily the health system. It's the health system's patients. We want their patients to feel more secure because that's what they're after, right? They're after trying to make their patients' lives better. So if we can align to the, to improve their patients' lives through cybersecurity, that's a great opportunity. And, and Danny's really going to be on the
1: front end of that. So and, and, it, and it took somebody like Mike Murray to make me... It wasn't a rule per se, but it was something I wasn't going to voluntarily go seek out and, and, and go to healthcare. But I had decided a long time ago... Of, where does my technical prowess not end but taper, and then where can I jump from there with these things like talking to people and and being out among people and, and things like that? And I had when I worked at Gigamon, it, I was in customer success as a as a as a technical account manager for two and a half years, and it never once felt like a job. I loved doing that stuff so much, and I'm like, why don't why don't I just go do that for Mike? And then I was talking to Mike about a thing. And he was like, well, wait, what is it you do again? (laughs) What is it you do here? And he's like, okay, cool. We need that. And I, and then the more I talk to his people and, and now there are my people and they kept Now now there are people, now there are people about mission and things like that. uh, I just, yeah, it, it was like, yeah, duh, go, go and do that thing. So I'm super stoked. I haven't even said it. I'm the one that shares, Overshares on Twitter and I haven't breathed the word of this over the past week and week and a half that I've been here because I wanted to wait for this thing to announce it. So yeah, that's my thing. I, um, especially when you go and, and, and talk to people in healthcare, they are dealing with some honest to God, real world light lives, right? So let's go do that. Let's try to go make that better and tell people about that and let people know Like, yeah, you know, it's screwy, but you don't know how screwy it is. So let's go and let's go and spread that message and help some people while we're at it. So I couldn't, I couldn't be happier. Like this is exactly, yes, this is a good way to start a new year.
0: Us too, by the way. And I, I know, you know, that with that, why don't we just do what I always do at the end of every podcast, which is where can the world find more of you? Obviously they can now find you at scope, but (laughs) if the world wants more Danny, where, where do they go?
1: Oh God, a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, uh, I, listen, I love Twitter. Twitter has been, uh, God, I I don't know where actually I I would be with that. Just connect with people. So yes, I am at D-A-K-A-C-K-I on Twitter. You can find me there. Uh, My DMs are always open. I love talking to people. And yes, I will overshare, (laughs) do overshare. But now I'm going to have a lot more, a lot more healthcare security uh, content. Hopefully bring a lot of folks together. I also have done, I haven't done it lately, but Um, I'm going to say it because I did it for a reason is when I was doing a lot of podcasting and things like that, a lot of videos and stuff. I do have a uh, channel up on YouTube where I have a lot of, I did a lot of like instructional streams about, about how to stream. And I did a lot of interviews, my interviews with Mike and Wolf are up there. So it's youtube.com slash second order chaos, and I got a lot of stuff up there. Some of it's really goofy, like me trying to build a new computer for eight hours over two nights. But yeah, Twitter is the thing. Twitter is where I is how I enter the world at this moment. That's incredible.
0: Well, Danny, thank you for coming on. We're gonna have you on a bunch because you work here now and you're part of the team. <laughs> and so, and know, I get paid you know. to be on it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so we're gonna we're gonna use that because you're a far better host than I am. But yeah, we'll have you we'll have you come on and do stuff, and we'll we'll be around. But I'll say publicly what I've said to you many times: excited to have you on the team and excited to to continue to fight this mission and and to to build this with you. So, welcome to Scope. And uh, with that, thank you everybody for listening listening as always, and we will be back with more interesting and uh, and hopefully engaging content.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of InScope.
0: To make sure you never miss an episode, hop on over to www.scopesecurity.com to sign up, or you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you have ideas for topics, guests, or technical tips, please contact us at podcast at scopesecurity.com.